Good afternoon, good evening, everybody. My name is Cleo O'Flynn and my co-sponsor in vaccine variations and terror <laughs> is the divine, the one and only. Hello, everybody. It's Janet Anscombe. Hope everybody is well. Hello, good afternoon and welcome. Are you well, Janet? I am very well, yes. Are you? Good, good. I'm glad. I mean, we still haven't had a cup of coffee together. It's been over a year. It has. Bloody hell, it has. It's been over a year since we sat down, fed your your geckos, hugged your chickens (laughs) and had coffee and a croissant together. Absolutely. Yeah, we must do it again soon. Um, obviously, once the Easter um, restrictions are, are lifted. Yes. Um, and let's hope that, in fact, Tenerife doesn't go up to um, level four after they do lift the um, yeah. Easter restrictions, because there have been some reports of some, you know, in the majority of cases, people behave and, and everybody's done the right thing. But our figures are stubborn. They're not going down, and there no. have been some high-profile incidents that Incident. people have yeah. latched yeah. on to. Um, so let's hope that after Easter, we will at least not have to do worse than level three. I mean, I think people will be looking to 10 days from last weekend to see if there's any spike, you know, um, because, yeah. of, because of Easter. Because, as was predicted, most people who arrived down and partied, well, no, not most people, because I'm not going to try and assign blame. A lot of people came from other parts of the island to say Costa Deje and Arona, um, because the weather's here and stuff like that. And there was overcrowding. I don't know, there were a lot more people on the beaches here in Adeje than there have been in many months. Let's see if that actually leads to anything. I hope not because there were these were outdoor gatherings and we know that there was a, a bit of a to-do in the Duque Beach in Adeje. Um, and uh, I, I even heard eyewitness reports of, of said to-do. Their kids, you know, I, I will say this, I'm not going to defend anybody and I'm not going to defend idiotic behavior, but I've, if you have seen the years of your life from 14 to 16 spent a lot of the time behind closed doors and these are your formative growing years as a teenager it's not going to surprise me if there's going to be minor explosions i don't i don't pardon it i don't excuse it i don't know any of the kids who were involved directly but uh, i have heard other kids close to me personally saying it was just a bit of fun or don't over exaggerate the danger of this. And I'm looking at it from an adult point of view and they're looking at it from a teen point of view and they have had no carnival. You know, my daughter's high school, they're not having a graduation ceremony this year. It's already been decided that there will be no graduation ceremony in June when they will be saying goodbye to friends they've been with for years and years. And that gets to them. I, I think we've said before, haven't we? Um, the, the one group of people in all of this that I wouldn't blame are the teenagers. I, I think they've done a stunning job. Yeah, yeah. of course they've of course they've broken some rules. And of course, if that isn't what a teenager is all about, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And they have to learn how to be adults. And part of that is learning from their own mistakes. They are not to blame for being teenagers no. in a pandemic. 
And yeah. that is their only crime, is to be a teenager in a pandemic. I am not even going to blame the police here because I know people say, well, where the hell were the police? There were no police. I saw no police. The police were there. Other people did see them, but then they weren't wearing masks or they weren't doing this or they weren't doing the other. The police are policia locales in their own locations. Yeah. And sometimes they are being required to steam in and close down bars that might be run by a cousin or they might be required to tell their mother to put her mask on. This is not fair, in my opinion. They I'm, have adopted it. They do do it, but I don't think they can be expected to do it as well as some would like them to do it. And I wouldn't say this on a council programme, but I will say it on our podcast. The councils, all the councils, have to get together now and start applying pressure on the government, not their own police forces, but on the government to find a solution to adequate policing because they haven't got the resources, they haven't got the officers, they mm. haven't got the ability to enforce behavior from people who are expected to police their own families and yeah. friends. Okay, okay. The councils have to go to the government and say, where the hell is the can uh, Policia Canaria? What can we do about maybe getting the Guardia Civil or the Policia Nacional? Mm. Our local police forces then can provide some sort of administrative support where they're not compromised. But also but think smart. I mean, what they could do. I mean, one first hope is that what, all the little gatherings that happened over the weekend won't lead to any huge spike. But yes. why don't they all learn from the mistakes that were made this weekend? I mean, I think some of the kids made mistakes, maybe the parents made mistakes and the police maybe made mistakes in not foreseeing where there were going to be crowds of younger people, not working out a plan as to how to deal with those young people. I mean, again, I know from first-hand experience that the police were at that section of the beach Every day, every day of the bank holiday weekend, they were there and they were there more than once. I can tell you that. I know that because, you know, kids were asked for their identification. They were told to keep up, you know, to keep separate from big groups. So the police were there, but maybe they need to modify where they're going to concentrate, you know, the police bodies, but also in how they're going to talk to the kids, because there's no point in just barreling down and demanding ID and threatening kids with fines. M much better to try and talk to them about giving them a reasonable option you know why don't you just separate a little bit take why don't four of you put your towels over there so you know just to make it easier for the for them to do their job so hopefully the hope is that there'll be this could be a learning curve because we've got the summer around the corner yes absolutely but I, I, I go back to, and this will come up again later in the podcast because it's a it's a recurring theme here. There are, it's part of the natural system of things, the natural order of things. It seems to me in Spain, the things are devolved, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good in devolved systems because it puts power locally. Yeah. Um, where it often needs to be, and there's an awful lot of good in, in devolved systems. But there are times when devol devolving powers merely serves to fracture a response that needs to be coordinated. And I think that's happening with the vaccine rollout. And I also think it's happening with policing. Okay. And for once, I think we need to be going upline, not downline with policing. And the Canarian government needs to be doing something as a coordinated thing around the islands and within the islands, rather yeah. than leaving it up to individual municipios 
and their poor police forces. And I mean, we, you know, now and again, we have a run in with an obstreperous policy yellow card. But I mean, generally, they're good guys. They're just trying to do a job. Yeah. They yeah. are little, are little um, functionaries, if you like, are the lowest level of policing in Spain. And if they have an awful lot of responsibility to carry out they their do. functions. And I don't think this should be laid at their door in a global pandemic where we have a regional health response. We need a regional policing response as well, in my opinion. All right. Listen, we'll go back to that whole thing about regional versus local in a second. But first of all, what I want to do, Janet, is let people, I mean, you and I were both chuffed. We actually got a voice message we did. from Jamie, <laughs> uh, who listened to our podcast. And it's, you know, we're both really chuffed about this. So I hope you don't mind, but we're going, to, we're going to drop it into the podcast and let everybody have a listen. Happy Easter week from me, Jamie Rogers. At the moment, currently staying in the UK, hoping to get back over to the Canaries. W Channel. Thanks for entertaining us. So, wasn't that nice? That is lovely. Thank you, Jamie. It is so lovely. I mean, we do get some nice feedback. I have to say, we were saying just before we started recording that trolls, in terms of voices, trolls are louder on the internet generally than ordinary people. But in terms of response to the podcast, it's been really positive, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. we haven't had any really negative, we haven't had a single nasty reaction, but the positive ones are always a joy to receive, and normally they're written. It was lovely to get a voice message yeah. and to hear mm. words like that. It's very nice. So thank you, Jamie. And if anybody else wants to send us a voice message, you go on to the Anchor uh, FM platform, which is where we upload the podcast. And I'm not sure how to do it because I am not um, Miss, Techno Miss Technology 2021. But <laughs> go on to the I platform am and I'm sure... <laughs> a letter and we'll voice it up and read it out <laughs> but no thank you so I'll much it's it, very I'll nice to kitchen post. oh there you go perfect perfect <laughs> listen janet the let's get serious for a second um because we're going to play another clip now um you said your mailbag whether it's electronic or real is chock-a-block is stuffed to the guild with letters about vaccinations and this is becoming inundated yeah i mean it's a serious inundated. matter this is a very serious matter yes. it's, it's funny i was looking at in ireland for instance there was a big hubbubaloo about two weeks ago because a private hospital yet again had leftover vaccines and the head of the hospital called the teachers of his daughter's private school and brought them in and vaccinated them right so obviously there's been a huge crisis of confidence there. Now, this doesn't happen in Spain because it is 100% and in its entirety being managed by the public health system, which is a good thing, in my opinion. Yes, yes, it is. But what it has meant is that people who, for their own reasons, have lived here for many, many years, but have never registered on the public health system are now worried because they've been they've gone they've either spoken to their private health providers or gone to the private hospitals where they would normally see their doctors and have been told that these private hospitals don't have the vaccine and that is exactly correct they don't have the vaccine nor do they have access to it because it is not for sale that's, in right. that's right so uh, 
coincidentally, English Time radio program should be back this Thursday. And what I've done is I have recorded a lengthy 20, 20 minute interview with Charmaine Arboon, who is our, who's the British consul. But I'm going to play a clip. Janet's heard this already. We're going to play a clip because she addressed specifically this issue about people who are not in the public health system and who are worried about their vaccination. So let's have a listen to this, Janet, and then you and I will kind of talk it through. We're getting quite a lot of queries from people who have only ever had private insurance. Yeah. I've lived here for 20 years. Yeah. Um, do we have any indication at the moment as to how they might be able to access or be eligible for vaccination from the Spanish authorities? The, simple, the simplest way to do this is for people to go speak to the local health centre. And my advice to people is if you've been to your private health care provider already and they don't know how you're going to get vaccinated, mm -hmm. So that they would be your first step. Yeah. Go to them. Yeah. If they don't know how you're going to get vaccinated and you're concerned, make sure you're on the padron in case that's what's being used and go to your local health centre okay. and ask if you can do a alta temporal. Okay. I think that's a very good point you're making first. Make sure you're on the padron yeah. and take it from there. Yeah. So okay. speak to your healthcare, speak to your private healthcare provider, make sure you're on the padron. Go speak to your local health yeah, centre. But you will need to do something you about will. it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think every uh, every Comunidad Autónoma is taking a different approach to the right. way that they're rolling it out. So really, unfortunately, I don't know what the rules are going to be in, in Tenerife and I don't know how the, how the Canarian health authorities are planning to do it. What we do know, which I should probably say, is that there is a commitment to vaccinating everyone. Yeah? The important thing is to make sure that you're on the system that they're going to be using for calling people up. Okay, Janet, you and I, we were both um, interested in this notion of an alta temporal or alta provisional because we hadn't really heard about it. I had heard about it, but only occasionally. And I would say always in the context of um, a situation where someone was visiting here and had an ehic and needed medical treatment so went into a doctor and on the EHIC system itself they were put on they were given what they called it um, an alta provisional a sort of a, a provisional temporary um, registration in the Canarian health in Sanidad Canarias. Now it seems to me that we are going there are very looking at, at this and I think the only way to keep our sanity is to look at them all. First of all, there is a private and public state divide. So people in the state system just have to wait until their group is being run and then they'll be called. There's a lot of talk about what is the target pop population. The target po population is being time according to the groups that are being prioritized. So at the moment they've got nine target groups I think they're up to group six now yeah and that's the target population and if you are in the state system you are in one of those groups or after one of those groups and you will be contacted at some of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine if you are under 55 you're going to get the um sorry 65 isn't it you're They've going to change this yeah. yeah and if I can interrupt Janet that in fact in the last four or five days there seems to have been like a, a flutter of people between 55 and 65 suddenly getting their text messages 
saying, come for your vaccination. Literally, you get a text message on your phone. Uh, well, I know people who I know have, have saying your vaccination will be at 11.35 on the 5th of, of, of April. Yesterday, they were do, giving vaccinations as well on Sunday in El Mahon, and you just go along. And there's a number that you can call for information. Now, my gut feeling is that all the people who have received this message are between 55 and 65. So I'm only assuming That's this right. because of the resumption of the AstraZeneca rollout. And Carolina, Carolina Darius, who is the national health secretary announced last week that she was anticipating the imminent arrival in Spain and then to the regions of a, of a huge number of AZ doses. Okay. And within one week, those doses are here and people are, as you say, getting calls. It seems yeah. to be that if you're in that age group and you're getting AZ, you are getting a telephone call or a text message to go to El Mojón because yeah. the AZ seem to be exactly. administered in the hospital. But if you are in a different group because of your age or because you have underlying conditions or you are in a system- You're a health, system, maybe a healthcare worker or something or a teacher. Exactly. Then you will probably be given the Pfizer or the Moderna. And for that, you probably have to go to the health center. You will note the number of probabilities what I'm saying because there is no confirmed system and this harks back to what we were saying earlier this is one place where confirmed coordinated cohesive planning system and information would be very useful but it doesn't exist no so all we can do is tell as we understand it if you're in the state system wait you will be contacted you yeah. may be like someone I know right now, very close to me, 70 odd, waiting for not AZ because they're over the age that AZ is going to be given in the state system, not contacted, but we know of someone who is 62 who's been contacted exactly. in a different part to go to El Mojón for the AZ because they're 62. Yeah, so and I know a 62 like year old who got their first vaccination yesterday. And they live in Pio and they also went to El Mojón. Imagine train lines you've got trains going in different in the same direction mm -hmm. they're all heading in you know in parallel with each other but they're exactly. going at different speeds because they've got more doses of one or there are more elderly people in say girders or other than santiago del Tadi or whatever yeah bottom line if you're in the state system wait you will be called don't Private panic paper. basically yeah exactly don't panic if you're in the private system by having private medical insurance and you're not registered with a doctor, this is where my mailbag is right now. Okay. These are people who have been told to speak to their insurers by the British government and the Spanish government. So they've been told by two national governments, their own government and the government of the country in which they find themselves mm -hmm. to speak to their insurers who have universally said, we know nothing about this, in one case, you are not entitled, which is absolute rubbish. Yeah. Because yeah. the Spanish and regional governments want everybody to be vaccinated. They're not going to force anyone of to course. be vaccinated. But if you want the vaccine, they will be overjoyed because they want to get rid of COVID. They don't want to restrict this. No, no, so, no, you're quite right. You know, so and what, what is I interesting know, is that we're now seeing we've got two, at least two confirmed family groups who are saying that they weren't on the public health system. One who talked to us, I think wrote to you about getting this Alta 
temporal and somebody else who's, who has said now that they were called because they're on the padron. And yes. yet again, yet again, it underlines the importance, even if you don't have public, not on the public health system, you have to be on your local town hall padron. So they are only on private health, but they were called because they're registered with their local town hall and they have now or are now getting the vaccine. So it just shows how important that is. Yeah, I mean, to give people some specifics, because people like specifics, we now know, you and I now know of someone who is in San Miguel Municipio, who is a private patient who has been called because she is on the padron. Yeah. And we are presuming, and it's a fair presumption, that she was called because the local health system in her municipio is liaising with the council yeah. and taking names from the padron. <clears throat> I now know also of um, Santiago del Tedi patients who are saying they have tried to get an alta provisional and being told that doesn't exist in this municipio. Okay. I also know of someone in Ico de los Finos who has been in regular contact with me over recent weeks about this very situation. Um, he says that he wrote in the end to the mayor of Ico de los Finos and explained the situation and the mayor was not fully aware. This is what I was talking about. We need a coordinated system. This can't be left, it can't be devolved to such an extent that it unravels yeah. at the end. And the mayor has said that he was not aware that this was such an issue. He assumed, I believe, that the Canarian government was taking charge of the matter, which there is an argument for saying they might well have done. In the event, this guy wrote to the mayor and four people now, British nationals, resident in Ico de los Finos, private medical insurance, not in the health system, have now been vaccinated because the mayor got them a provisional alter. alter. Okay. All we can advise people is if you, the, the first step, as Charmaine says, the first step is go to your insurance. If you get nowhere there, second step, go to your local health centre. Can I have an alta provisional or an alta temporal, a temporary registration yeah. for the purposes of vaccination? If not, take my reader's advice and try to contact the mayor. If necessary, pay for someone to write you a letter in Spanish if the mm. mayor mm. doesn't I mean, you know I, if you think. I know somebody in this borough in Adeje said to me that they took advice that I had given, I think on a previous podcast and went to the local health center and were told that they needed to go to Granadilla, which would be the head office for social, for health services in the south of Tenerife. Um, but I mean, maybe they didn't ask for an alta temporal. But by the way, if you are going to ask for an alta temporal, you will need to be on the padron. I mean, that's, that is a given. Obviously, you will need to be on the padron. And the problem some people are going to have is that some councils will only put you on the padron if you've got a register or a tier. And at the moment, that system is working very, very slowly. And we know this is the case with the decade. They won't put you on the padron unless you're... Um, registered with the police, whereas a runner will. Yeah. So this is going back to what I said at the start of the podcast. This is another instance where things have been devolved to a point where there is no cohesive system. And, and, the government, and we're working the national on that. Government, <laughs> You know, all we can say to people is, leave this with us, please. This is not a system we are in ignorance of. 
we know there's a problem and we're asking a lot of questions on your behalf and we are asking a lot of questions on your behalf acting where we can and i suppose our main function is that when we have information we are providing it in in the best way we can to you so that is all that can be said for at the moment for vaccines and if you have got the call good luck well done um you're ahead of both of us (laughs) and if you have the call I would just um, say, in case it slipped people's attention, there has been a call from the authorities that if you have the call, it will be with only 24 hours notice sometimes. Yeah. It'll be between 24 and 48 hours notice. It could be rather inconvenient. They are begging people to make the effort to make those appointments because they're like, they're like hen's teeth. They are very valuable and very rare. And if you don't go, they are saying they will have no option but to put you at the back of the queue. But please do phone. They're they're at the bottom of the message because I've seen somebody else's message. And at the bottom are two numbers that you can call. And I presume they are either for information or out of courtesy and civic responsibility to phone to say, I cannot attend at this time so they can then call the next person. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Okay, Janet. So we will. We will. Two things we have to look at very quickly. Um, there, we, we're seeing reports. We knew it happened in the mainland last week. Now we believe. We believe that a number of people on a flight from the United Kingdom landed here. Uh, the plane landed here on Saturday, I think, and about eight people were not allowed to enter the country, and they were put on the same plane and flown back home. Now, some of the hysterical coverage, I mean, not from local press, I hasten to add, but from individuals is saying we were deported. Now, first of all, say if you were told that you couldn't enter Spain and sent back home, you weren't deported. Of course not. I mean, being deported means that you were probably, your details were taken by the police and you have been told that you cannot come back to the country ever, that you have been kicked. And you were forcibly escorted out of the nation you know if you've been deported yeah yeah I mean, you were just told to go home because your paperwork wasn't in order i am assuming yeah somebody might say no i was actually deported i have the police report here in my hand well that's true but if but that we, was we the case it was for a lot more than just trying to come into tenerife without a residence yeah absolutely we heard of the alicante story where people got off the plane and i think it was can't remember were told they had to get back on the plane and go home again. It's a story, which I don't have in, independent confirmation of. I've just seen the same reports that everybody else has confirmation is really, you know, happened as, uh, as it's described. But I mean, assuming the reports are correct, which they presumably are, people weren't allowed off the plane. The Guardia Civil went on to the plane and checkers for allowing people let eight off. So they were made to stay on the plane and and go back to the UK. Um, One of them at least is reported as having had a letter from an estate agent saying they had various viewings arranged, um, like an appointment with an estate agent to go and do viewings. Because the argument is that the UK said you can go abroad to view property. But as we have said in 
any number of previous podcasts, and I've said on my website, the fact that the UK will let you out to do something doesn't mean Spain is inevitably going to let you in to do it. And that has never been something Spain lets you in for. And obviously, Spanish police are going to be policing entry into Spain according to Spanish laws. Yeah, like just because your mum lets you out to play doesn't mean you can go to anybody's house that you want to. I like that way of putting it. That's right. right. So so hopefully nobody was deported. And if you were and you feel that you were unfairly deported, I suggest you take it up with the Spanish consul back in the UK or the embassy or your lawyer. Um, But just as as Janet has just said now, as we have said countless times, there are two countries' rules here there's there's the uk rules allowing people to enter and leave the united kingdom but there's also spain's rules allowing people to leave and enter spain and the two are not the same thing and i doubt they ever will deliberately be hopefully they will be coordinated very soon um they might have bilateral agreements well that's another matter Um, that is another matter they have a bilateral agreement for this and they are as the uk now fully knows two separate sovereign countries and as sovereign countries they set their own laws and if you are traveling between two countries you need to know the laws of both yeah as the foreign officers okay very important well finally and to stick with i mean we haven't been very thrilling and exciting this week jenna because we're going to finish on tax really dull stuff (laughs) yes let's 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 blow up the balloon let's go out on a lighter note (laughs) It's time to pay the tax bill. Um, no, I just spotted this today in one of the local newspapers, the Diario de Avisos, which is kind of the page, the paper that I will check online pretty much every day. And it, it popped up that um, the, the window for making your tax declarations, which you have to do in Spain, everybody individually has to do these, is from now until June. Um, now, I'd say this might be of interest to people who either have been working through the pandemic or who have been receiving ERTE, because I know from having been on on the dole before that you still have to pay tax on it because it's still considered earnings. So just because you have been receiving money from the government might not exclude you from having to pay tax. So you need to check that. Um, I would suggest, I I use an accountant. I don't know what anybody else does, because even though I would speak what I think is fairly okay Spanish and I read Spanish newspapers, there is no way that I would trust myself to actually be able to maneuver through the Spanish tax system. It's just not happening. Oh, you hear this so many times, don't you? Oh, I just do my own. Or can you tell me how to do this? Because I want to do my own. my, my personal finances are as simple and as minimal as they could be. I wouldn't dream even so of doing my own. I always employ a local hair store or asset store, in fact, um, to do them for me because there is a professional indemnity, should there be any error. Um, and it, it a store isn't sense. expensive here. I mean, you might yeah. be paying 45, 50 euros tops. Um, yes. And unless your tax is very, very complicated, that is possibly all you will need to pay because they will be just following the formula that they have as long as all your documents, as all of if you've got your ducks in a row. Yeah. You know, it's not going to cost money. 
it, it, it's like getting a lawyer when you're buying a property, isn't it? I mean, just yeah. get, get somebody independent and professional to do something that they're qualified to do. They know to do. They do it all the time. Mm. And it is so important not to make a mistake. But I wouldn't want to trust myself in my once a year thing, you know. Yeah. Just, First of just all, there's a good chance you get money back because that is a frequent... Yeah. A good accountant, a regular accountant, doesn't have to be a super wizard and they're not doing anything illegal, but they will know where the tax breaks are. Um, and secondly, <clears throat> if you make a false declaration, they will, I mean, they'll come back after you and they will argue, you, you will rarely win against them. Because if, the, if Hacienda decide that you actually owe them more money from at least, I think there's a five-year window there, um, I mean, I have actually been fined and a four-year window. Four years. So, I mean, they have they've pulled me up on something that wasn't my fault. And I tried to prove that it wasn't my fault. But at the end of the day, they didn't accept any of my protestations and I had to pay an extra 300 euros to them. And it was better to pay it because the yeah. minute I stopped or didn't pay it, the interest accrued and accrued and accrued. But as I say, any regular good gestor and a lot of them do speak English, will, will probably get you some money back. So it's worth engaging them. Exactly. It's also worth mentioning. This is something our Hestor um, tells us, reminds us every year, because every year is slightly different, that if you're a couple, you can submit your tax returns jointly or separately, and you are legally allowed to submit them different ways different years depending on which way is most advent more advantageous exactly. for you exactly. so for example some years my tax returns and my husband's go in as independent of each other returns mm -hmm. separate returns yeah. other times it's a joint declaration and we trust our our assessor to tell us which is the most advantageous so this is something again that without a professional advising us we wouldn't necessarily know that we just do whatever online and and a cautionary word of warning actually um the the person that who does my taxes got in touch with me because they just wanted to confirm that um i had filled out certain forms which you need if you have assets here or abroad because they said to me this year because employment has been so low the tax office will be getting in less money that they normally would so they are this accountancy firm thinks going to be looking very, very hard at everybody's tax returns because they need to make money. Now, if that doesn't scare the bejables out of you, I don't know what does. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful time of year, isn't it? Spring oh. and taxes. And <laughs> oh, Brexit taxes, what more do we need? Which is why we still have to put the date on our Eurovision special, Janet. <laughs> yes. They need to bring some Eurovision. joy and sparkle in, well, into our own lives, even if nobody else cares. Yeah. You and I need to. <laughs> Absolutely. So we do. And we will. We will. We will. We've got the semi-finals. I mean, I think you and I have our top five already chosen. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, there are still some, some more surprises to come, no doubt. Oh, and here's a big question. So if it's all online, will there be an interval act? Who's going to do the interval act? That's always a, a big question mark, and we never know until the night. It is always a great surprise. I, I've heard whispers, and I mean, there's always whispers, so one never knows if if they're trying to mislead. Mis
direction. They seem to have some path burning up. Mons, of course, Mons is always, Mons is He is always there and he is brilliant at everything. So I, I should look forward to seeing him if he's there. But I, I they did, I, was it the Ukraine one where they, they had past winners on singing each other's songs? About two years ago, that was lovely. Conchita's song. Conchita was singing Verka's song. Conchita sang Mons' song, I think. That's Didn't right. She? So she did. You are the heroes of yeah, she did. She did, and looked okay. fabulous as well. Of course. Of course. <laughs> she always does. Oh, well, we will see, but yes, hopefully Mons will be in the mix because he's got two super fans here. He really I mean, does. the the Swedish piss take of the interval act that they did a couple of years ago really that and river dance to me are the most outstanding interval acts that have ever happened on a eurovision stage to date i agree i couldn't agree more i i i, I will never forget river dance the momentary silence when he finished as the around, audience just stimulated what what the hell have i just seen until before exploding into applause and you could almost see them on the stage momentarily a look of terror in their eyes that nobody was clapping yeah and then yeah. suddenly everybody went. That, yeah. um, okay you that, think her name is you've frozen again janet Martha so, Petra. yes it was this it was yum yum la la or something <laughs> i have to remember the name of it love 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 Pablo. love peace Love, love, peace, peace. Love, love, peace, <laughs> peace. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I mean, I also know that there are fans and haters of the Netflix Eurovision parody film, uh, which I actually, I'm one of the fans. I loved, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'd Song of Fire. It was, I loved it. I, I haven't loved. seen it. Uh, but I mean, it, to me, it's encapsulated everything. I haven't seen it yet, but I will. You need to. Yeah, I mean, well, I have it, but I, I will want to watch it. Yeah. Well, considering that the win, the yeah. winning song yeah. or the Eurovision song is now up for an Oscar, you know, from from that film. That's so, brilliant. You know, Eurovision wins that Oscar. Is how, be how better can it get? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I don't care week. how authentic things are. Right. Yeah. Maybe next week, if there are no other breaking stories, Janet, we can start to look at our Eurovision coverage. That would be good. All that right. would be very good. Okay. Well, look, shall we just play, shall we play a few seconds as we end this podcast of what we both think might be the winning song? Do we agree on what we think is the current favourite? Um, I, I think, given the latest odds, which are lengthening, I see no way Destiny can't fulfil her destiny. Malta. Next month. She, she, Malta. She, she's, she was the win. I hope she wins. I actually, do. Because she won the junior, she won the junior one and she'd be the very first person um, ever to win. Her, her mother, I think, is a performer. Her father's a doctor, I think, from Nigeria originally. And they're in Malta. And as I say, at the age of 12, she won junior Euro, Eurovision. Um, I'd, I'd love to see her win. She, yeah. She's a fan fantastic singer and she is such a personality on stage and the song is so on message the song couldn't be more on message right now all right
right. Yeah, well, you know, if a night, um, you, 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 you can talk me up all you want. You can buy me as many drinks as you want. It doesn't mean you have any rights. Yeah, and it doesn't you know, matter what I'm wearing. I am who I am. Exactly. And, and that sort of message right now, it, it, it's empowering, but it's also very on message at the moment. And yeah, it's a great, and it's a bop. It's, it's great. a hell well, of a let's, bop. Let's play a clip of that as we leave this week's Canary Cast, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Jamie Cassip. Bye, Jamie <laughs> <laughs> Babe, are you hurting? Are you all right? You look like an angel. From the sky, and boy, you keep talking, massaging my ego. But you're on a ridge, no pickup line. Hell no, what you gonna do? Hell no, I am not your honey. Hell no, I don't want your money. Got it wrong, I ain't into dummies. Nah, uh, uh, uh. So, baby, it's not a maybe. Yeah, I'm too good to be true. There's nothing in it for you. So, if I show some skin.